Did your friend offer you a pick-me-up pill? If you take medication that didn't come from a pharmacy, it's important to test it for fentanyl. Fentanyl can be hiding anywhere. Pick up a test strip at your local pharmacy today and protect yourself from hidden fentanyl. Welcome to Chris Allen's podcast. And here comes the show. Alright guys, welcome to the show. So, um, I did an awesome interview with uh, Henry Shaw, a uh, wrestler, um, and apparently I had a technology snap foo um, the first couple minutes. Um, it just came out garbled nothingness. I, I don't know why. Uh, and I, I feel bad uh, for you guys going to miss out on, on, on the first few minutes. I basically asked him uh, what his inspiration was to get into wrestling and um, it was Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior match when uh, Ultimate Warrior defeated Hulk Hogan. And then he talked a whole lot about uh, growing up and watching wrestling, being a big fan of wrestling, and how he came to be a wrestler. And this interview is going to pick up uh, in the middle of him answering that question. And again, I mean, I, I tried like everything I could to fix the audio, but apparently it just it garbled it. I, I don't know what happened. Um but it, it, yeah, it, it just went to snot. So I apologize. I apologize to Henry um, because, like I said, his interview that you're about to listen to the part here, like every minute from start to finish was just pure gold. And I actually hope to help him on the show again and talk to him some more because, like, his take on wrestling is is amazing. And if you want to learn more about wrestling, by all means, like, sounds like he trains people to get there and talk to him. Like, he, he is the real deal. Um, so anyway, the interview is going to pick up. Mid-answering the question, talking about his inspiration uh, for getting into wrestling. Hope everybody enjoys the interview. I thought it was amazing. I look forward to getting many more wrestlers on the show to talk about it. Like I said, it, like Henry's just amazing. And go to his show. He talks about it on here. Go to his show. I, I know this guy's going to give you an amazing match. All right. And thought about it for maybe a day or two, you know, and I said, I've got to do this because I've always said that if I ever had a chance, I'd do it and I would regret it for the rest of my life. So let's fast forward of about two or three weeks and I'm helping set up the ring, which is a job in itself when you're only like three or four of us doing it in the heat, the summer heat and everything under a tent. This was for a fair show. I think it was the Martin County fair, if not mistaken. And I remember we got everything set up and it was me and like three or four others. And there's nobody around, of course, and I said, man, this is so cool. I don't know. I've always wanted to, you know, do this and everything. And they said, well, we ain't got time to train or anything, but hold your arm out like this. And he showed me hold my right arm out, and then he ran to my arm, and I clotheslined it. And he fell down, and that, it, you just hear that initial boom, boom, boom from the ring, and I was like, this is what I want to do. So, granted, 18 years later, still going, thank God. But, you know, it all started with, you know, setting up the ring, and, you know, that's what it, how it started with me. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. And that is a, a heck of a start. And you talked a little bit about the classic wrestling with the Hogan turning heel and how much that bothered the time, but you're looking now as genius and then the triple H. What do you think of what triple H is doing now running the company? Well, I love when triple H took over NXT, when it went to, I think they were, um, one of their first champions was like, uh, was it Neville? Maybe like when triple H took over, I, I, I could, could be wrong. But when I started getting into NXT, I knew that triple H was running it. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, I knew that triple H was running. It. I just love the way the storylines and his matches, the way he brought people in because, um, 
when I got into wrestling, it seemed like the only guys that were in WWE at the time were monsters. Yeah. Uh, you talk about the guys with the a lot of muscle, long hair, tan, very tall. Person like me, I tried to get in WWE when I was younger. Never made it because they wanted monsters. I was too short, too fat, and had no tan, and I had my hair was too short. But for granted, Kevin Owens, you know, now, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, basically. But you know, a lot less talent than Kevin Owens, that's for sure. But uh, you know, now that Triple H took over, small guys. And guys like me have a better chance of getting in there than anything because it's not about what you look like. It's what you can do. Because I know there's some guys that look a million bucks, cannot wrestle their stuff out of a paper bag. Now, I know some guys that don't look like it, but can absolutely go. Now, look at a Kevin Owens of a fan who never watched wrestling ever. Saw Kevin Owens on the street, they would think he was just another average Joe just walking past him. But, you know, if you see someone like, oh, Chris Masters used to be, you know, Chris Masters, you know, 6'5", 300 and some pounds. Couldn't wrestle a lick. Going, Couldn't, you know, he's a lot better now than he was. But granted, you know, he had to, he had to be, be humbled, so I've been told, a little bit. But, you know, you know, it's just, I mean, it's a different thing nowadays. Now, now, you know, I know I'm too old. I'll never be in WWE. Would I like to do it one time? Yes. Who wouldn't? If I ever got the opportunity to do it one time, yes, I would. I'd probably embarrass myself, but I'd give it the old college try. Yeah, I'm not even a wrestler, and I would go in the ring in WWE just, just to take a hit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've got friends that I see on TV from, you know, time to time that I've wrestled shows with. They do that enhancement talent or, you know, job or whatever. Would I do that in a heartbeat? Absolutely. Well, you know, but, you know, that t- opportunity never came to me. But, you know, I'm glad to see guys and girls that, you know, that I've known I've been at shows with or I've watched them where they started and now they're on WWE TV a couple times a week or, you know, or a couple times a you know month whenever they do it. But, um, you know, I'm, you're always glad to see your friends make it on, on the big leagues. That's for sure. Especially like AEW and Ring of Honor, you know, they have got, you know, a lot of guys going A&W Dark and just seeing those, like, I know that guy. I just talked to this dude like two days ago, you know, seeing him on there. He wouldn't let him tell me that he was on there, but, they, you know, still it's fun to see. Oh, yeah. It's always nice to see somebody you know and respect make it yeah. anything they're, that they're doing. Um, yeah. So, so you said Hawk Hogan was your biggest inspiration as a kid. Um, had had he never turned heel? I'm trying to think, is there any example of a wrestler who, who, who was an inspiration to a lot of people who never turned heel? Um, and the only one I could think of is John Cena. But... Yeah, um, I could, you know, Cena, uh, now, here's the thing with Cena. Being in the business, I see a different world than what fans think they see, you know, what they see on TV and everything. I didn't like Cena for the first maybe 10 years I was in the business. Now, you know, granted, I would have shook his hand and, you know, respect the man and everything, but I hated, I hated the gimmick. I hated every match was state. Well, to me, was the same. He gets beat down and comes back, and then he's almost dead and he comes back. He basically like the Superman in the sun. But yeah, he for the money wise, they did they did what they were supposed to do. He made probably the most money out of anybody in that company for years and years to come. And I know a lot of he got a lot of heat from it. But you know what I'd have done in his shoes? Yeah, every one of us would have done that. But, you know, he, you know, I thought, you know, he should have turned heel a long time ago. And I hated, you know, he didn't have, uh, he didn't actually have a gimmick. He was wrestling in jorts and tennis shoes. And for me, I, 
I hated that because I mean, growing up, you know, you never see anyone in street clothes and wrestling. You saw it during the Attitude Era. You know, almost everybody was in black jeans and and tennis shoes. But nowadays, I mean, I you know when I I criticize. I hate to say I criticize, but a lot of times if I have like new trainees that come in, they're wanting to wear this and wear that. And I have critique, I said, you're going to have to get real gear because that real gear, real gear will separate you from the crowd. Yeah. If they think they, if they think they can go buy this at Walmart or Amazon. They won't respect you. And if, if you, they won't respect you enough to, as if you were in a pair of boots, trunks, something flashy with your name on it, something custom that's your name on. I got that from Bob Evans, uncle Bob Evans years ago. They won't respect you for it at all. I think the thing that changed my view on Cena, because like you said, his matches are pretty boilerplate. They never really changed was when he broke a world record. And it, I don't know if you know about this one or not, but he has granted more wishes for the Make-A-Wish Foundation than anybody else in the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I respect the man for it. You know, even as an actor, I think he's funny. You know, as like, you know, he's actually a pretty good actor. Uh, I don't know. I saw the Marine. It was horrible. <laughs> well, the well, Donnie's early stuff. Even The Rock was horrible back in the day, but uh, like nowadays, you know, nowadays it seems like almost everybody wants to do the same thing. Like all wrestlers want to be the big guy who never gets hurt, who or never sells. I should say that never sells, never gets hurt, and has basically the same thing. A lot of guys are not really lazy but a lot of guys are just too cheap to go out and save money and spend money to on new gear but they all want to be the same thing they all want to be a brock lesnar type which that does not work we all cannot be brock lesnar because there's only one of them and he ain't one imagine forever exactly and then the same thing you know i hate to say it but some, a lot of the girls are the same way too a lot of the girls that come into the business want to do the same gimmick and it doesn't work if they're all the same I mean, be your own gimmick. Like I, I recently, I won't mention her name or anything, but we've talked about a trainee of mine talked about having the gimmick that no one else has. And she th- said it was embarrassing to her, but I said, it's embarrassing now, but once you start, you're the only one that I know around that off the top of my head, you know, that has this gimmick. I ain't going to say it because I'm afraid somebody will steal it. But you know, if she has this gimmick, this will put her over big time because of it. And, and, but they're all doing the same thing. You a lot, know, a lot of people think miss that. Because I've been to yeah. several indie matches, and it's like, I mean, you're just copying somebody to saw on TV, like, last yep. week. Like, yep, you, exactly. you, you're not doing your own thing. You need to and, – and is that – you say people do it because they're lazy, but is it just because they just don't have a good idea, and they're just going with something <sighs> to get into the business? Well, uh, I know a lot of guys and girls want to get in the business as fast as possible. Now, when how long it took for me, I took – at least six months of training, and granted, it wasn't every week because of the shows. I did it the non-traditional way. I didn't go through an academy or I didn't follow anyone's footsteps getting in the business or anything. I set up the shows, I set up the ring, set up everything, help set up, I should say, not just me, everything. And I got training when everything was done. And the faster we got the things set up, is the more training we got. So, um, I respected that, but I wanted to wrestle faster than anything. But when I got my chance to actually do it, it was like six, seven months later, I did not know anything. I, I was hurried in the business. I actually didn't even remember pinning the guy that I was wrestling because I was so nervous. I was like, you know, like a deer in the headlights. Um, some of these guys and girls get in the ring way too fast. 
like in front of a crowd and everything. I, I really wish that someone would step back and look. The best way to critique yourself is to watch video of yourself. Oh, it's cringes to me watching back old videos because I think my mom and dad used to, this is when the camcorders were still around. Um, and then I could, you know, I could watch videos like thinking like, man, I'm so awesome. And then you go back, watch 10, uh, 10 years later, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. That's uh, I'm just kicking myself that I did that. But, you know, they don't humble themselves. They think they get a little bit of training. They learn how to bump. They learn how to do this. And they think they can wrestle. There is millions and millions of things that you must know before you can have a good match. Now, granted, there are some guys and girls that are on WWE TV that are not as good as some of these guys who've never been uh, never been exposed or never been seen or anything. Because I've seen wrestlers that's like, that's one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. And it was in front of 15 people. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, just, that's, how, that's how the business works. Now, granted, you know, I've seen shows go from like, well, there's five, 600 people out there. And like the guys that would wrestle, like, uh, let's just, let's call it five minutes and end it. Like, why? You give everything you got. That's a big crowd out there. But I've also seen guys go 20, 30 minutes in front of five and six people. Yeah. But it's just, I mean, just the way you're, you're taught up. I mean, nowadays, there's a lot of guys and girls that are not taught well. Um, how to actually be, you know, good wrestlers. Um, everybody's seems like nothing like every day. Everybody, everybody's wanting to do flashy moves. And I can tell you this right now, flashy moves do not get you over. You get yourself over your gimmick, your character, your appreciation of the business, uh, your crowd interaction. That is a huge thing. And people say, oh, this is different styles, different things. Listen, I've wrestled in Jersey and, and, and Pennsylvania where a lot of super indie stuff is popular up there. You do an old school match in front of that crowd, it confuses them for a few minutes. But then if you start eating up into the crowd, they will eat back with you. Like it's it works everywhere. Every wrestling works everywhere. I don't care what it is. But if you keep doing the same moves over and over and over, like I've got to get this in, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. I'm Sierra Bravo, and I'm the narrator of a brand new, first-of-its-kind sitcom podcast called Popcorn for Dinner. This show has everything a sitcom should. Relatable problems, wacky characters, and even a will-they-won't-they. They. It's comfort listening at its finest. And there's even a laugh track. But don't worry, you get used to it. Popcorn for Dinner, a brand new sitcom available wherever you get your podcasts. It's not going to work. Because I've seen guys go a thousand miles an hour and get maybe five or six little claps, maybe five or six people. Now you start jaw jacking with a little old lady in the front row and tell her how you're going to kiss her right in the mouth. She don't sit out and shut up. And people start eating on you. You tell everybody to shut up, and they just they eat that up. Oh but yeah. I mean, you just, you just got to figure out what you are. Now, if you don't, if you wrestle like like you wrestle and don't engage the crowd, they're going to forget that you're there because you're obviously forgetting that they're there. But You've just got to remember, you've got to do a million different things to actually be a good wrestler. You could be the most athletic person ever, and it won't mean diddly squat that you're not doing anything, you know, about it. You know, oh, you may have like an eight pack and big old legs and long blonde hair, but whatever. But if you don't do the little things that you're supposed to do to be a great wrestler, it's never going to work. Uh, I think we said like some of my absolute favorite matches. I couldn't even tell you what move they used to finish the match or what move they did in it. It was the matches where there was the good storytelling, the good interaction. Like, yeah. in recent history, my and I, I would call this match of the year just because of the storytelling. The match was, um, I don't know if you watched Extreme Rules, was with, with Edge and Finn Balor. 
Yeah. Yeah, that, I did. That story at the end of the match where Beth came in and saved him and then he he quit just because to save her. Like that engagement, that story I I marked out so big for that match. That was I was <laughs> I was completely sold. Yeah. Like I, oh my God. And then the, I was sitting there, I was watching with somebody, and I was like, oh, it's real now. He's going to mess them up. I'm like, I can't wait to watch, see what he does next week. And they're like, you know. I'm like, shut up. Leave me alone. I'm enjoying the match. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, a lot of kids at nowadays, there are a lot of people, like, especially when I was growing up, everybody talked about MMA because MMA started getting big when I started in wrestling. I mean, MMA was, you know, you know, they had full contact karate and kickboxing when I was growing up as a kid, but you know, UFC started in the late nineties. I remember, you know, uh, I, I remember you, know, you, you had to, you had to rent those because, you know, obviously I didn't have pay-per-view. You had to rent those at the video store to watch those. And I remember watching UFC one, two, three, four, five, going to those, renting those every other week or whatever. Oh yeah. But like it really started blowing up when I was in, you know, in college and when I started wrestling, um, a lot of guys, you know, like, oh, you're a pro, pro wrestler. That's fake. I have injuries and, you know, nagging injuries to this day that proves that it's not. Yeah. It may be staged and choreographed and everything, but the same thing with boxing and MMA. If you don't tell me they don't throw fights, you know, I'll eat my hat yeah. because I know they do. Mm-hmm. But but everything, you know, we have lost a lot of respect back in the early, mid-2000s to the late-2000s when MMA blew up. When all this MMA, and not to mention, you know, there's some MMA guys that came over to wrestling. Uh, and, you know, there's wrestlers that went back to, you know, M- went to MMA. Yeah. You know, Brock Lesnar, you know, he got his head beat in the first time, but, you know, he started, you know, developing him, you know, himself as a actual fighter and done good. Well, you know, Ronda Rousey, she jumped the opposite way. Was she a good fighter in UFC? Absolutely. She got beat one time. Everybody thought she sucked because she got beat. Well, actually, she got beat a couple times. Um, well, I mean, well, I remember that first time she got beat. Everybody was like, everybody was on the, everybody was on the Ronda bandwagon, and then when she got beat, boom, everybody jumped off. It's oh. like she was horrible. Or but yeah, I understand that. Call, you know, just whatever. I mean, the same thing with wrestling. Like everybody, and I don't know back in the day when I never thought that Undertaker was going to lose the streak. When I did think he was going to lose the streak is when he retired. That's yeah. the honest thing. I thought that was going to happen. Did I think Brock Lesnar should have beat him for it? No. Do I think Roman Reigns should have beat him for it? No. You know, I got my opinion on who should have beat him for it. Honestly, Kane. Kane should have beat him for it. Kane in the story would have been good. Brock Lesnar yeah. wasn't bad. You know, the only thing that disappointed me about that match, like where he lost the streak, was it was a horrible match. It was. And it really was. And it was, and it was, it was apparently because he got concussed very early in the match. Yeah. But, like... I honestly wish they would have made a call in the ring at the moment, like, we're going to let Dan Jagger win this one. We'll have him lose it next year and have it be a better match. But, you know, knowing Mark Calloway that way, he probably wouldn't have called that. He probably wouldn't have been like, nope, we're going to finish this the way. Because he would have fired, he would have powered through that. Because I know he had the flu one year against Triple H at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and he had one of the greatest matches ever, and he gets to the back and he passes out. You know, I mean, man gave everything he and that's one of the guys that gives everything to this uh, business. Well, is it? he wrestled uh, in that one elimination chamber after being set on fire. Yep. Like legitimately yep. was on fire yeah, walking I to the ring. Seeing that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he got set on fire on the way to the ring. Uh, but, but I mean, just the way it is, you know. Uh, I will say this for someone who's never been in the ring, it don't matter if there's three people or 3,000 out there. You step through that curtain, they scream or boo you. It's like everything that you fear. Hurt wise is gone. 
it's one of the greatest feelings in the entire world, especially, you know, I've been a, a heel most of my career. And I've been booed, called everything but a milk cow, and nothing bothers me. You know, now if I'm on the street and someone says, oh, you're, you're fat, oh, it's different because I'm not <laughs> in the crowd, I'm not a character or anything like that. But, you know, it's just, it's like you turn something on. It's the same way with those WWE guys. Don't tell me they don't turn anything on because they do. Oh, because yeah. I know some of these guys that have made it to WWE or gotten out of WWE, and they are totally opposite of what they are in the ring in front of the camera. Because now I've met some great guys and great girls, guys and girls in the business. I've met some jerks, but that's just the way it is. But I mean, you have to turn it on. You have to be different going out in front of those people than you are, you know, sitting on the couch or, you know, especially, you know, at home or whatever with your family. But I know there's some guys don't know how to turn that off because they'll live that gimmick like 24 hours a day. Even if I see like, like I'll give you a prime example. I'm going to say his name or anything, but I saw a guy who was a heel manager for years around Kentucky. I saw him six months after a show and went up to shake his hand. Like, Hey, bub, I ain't seen you in a while. And that idiot was still in character. Wow. Just like turn that off. What's wrong with you? Well, it's also like we're at a flea market. (laughs) What are you doing? I I don't know how many times I've seen anything with Ric Flair. He never seems to turn it off either. No, I wonder if Ric Flair is even playing a character at this point, or if that's just Ric Flair. No, I had a I had a great uncle that was in the military that uh, was in North Carolina, I think uh, Camp Lejeune or somewhere. And he they got off base one night to um, to go to a NWA show. And this was the early 80s, mid-80s or something like that. And he said that they went to a show. Ric Flair and Steamboat went an hour draw, but he loved every minute of it. He and his buddies decided to go to a bar in Charlotte, had no idea that they were the only, you know, he said for some reason they were the only like five guys there. The rest were women. He's like, we come to the right bar. (laughs) Well, they ended up at the wrong bar because – it was Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen came in there. And Ric Flair, you know, because they were, I guess he told them they were Marines. Ric Flair bought them around a shot, a beer, whatever. And he said Ric Flair was the exact same way he was in the bar that he was in the ring and didn't turn it off. A couple of wrestlers were over in the corner drinking by themselves. He said, I'll leave them alone. But he said, I went where Ric Flair went. He said Ric Flair even walked on top of the bar and fell off. You know, just the way he was. I'm sure back in you know the day you had to keep that up. Because there was no internet, you know, or, you know, maybe some tape trading back in the day, but that's about it. But I guess you had to keep that, that persona up. He said they was a local newspaper taking pictures of it and everything. But it's just the way, that's just the way it was back in the day. And now, nowadays, everybody's going to think you're an idiot if you right. keep that gimmick up and everything. I mean, everybody knows. Everybody knows what it is. But, you know, the little kids is different. Oh, yeah. You know, little kids is different. Um, I, I try to keep that up. I was in... I'm going to say London, London, Kentucky one night. And I wrestled for this, this group like consistently like three or four weeks in a row. I am walking into a gas station because I have a, I have a, uh, not, I wouldn't say advice, but I have a tradition that I have to have a coffee before every show. That's my thing. I have to have a coffee before every show. So I like, I like being around driving around so much. I don't, uh, I rather have speedway coffee over Starbucks. That tells you anything about it. So I'm in a speedway and, I'm getting coffee, and this kid over from me is dra- is basically holding on to his dad's hand, looking me up and down. And I said, I think this kid, to myself, I said, like, I think this kid recognizes me. And 
I look right at him and uh, he looks at me and he just buries his face into his dad's, you know, shirt and everything. And uh, I look at his dad and I said, y'all go on the show tonight? And he goes, yeah. I said, cool. And then I was like, and I look right at him. I said, I'll see you later. So he buried him, you know, just embarrassed, clawed. He might have been five, six years old. And I was paying for my, you know, my stuff and I'm walking outside and uh, this car pulls up and it's that little kid and he rolls down the window and he looks at me dead serious. And it was one of my old catchphrases. He goes, Shaw fights all. And I said, hold on a minute. And then I walked over to my car and I got like two or three autographed pictures. And I said, here you go, bub. This is on me. And he, apparently he thought that was the greatest thing in the world because they were on his wall forever. And, but, but I can't, I mean, come on. The kid called me out. I had to do it. So, I mean, that was one of the great things. That's one of the things I love about this business and everything. But it's just, some people turn it off. Some people don't. But me, I kind of do and kind of don't. Depending on the little kids or whatever. All right. Well, I have one more question, and then we'll plug your show one more time and wrap it up. But here's the one question I have for you. All right, so bro. you've been watching wrestling since the 80s, and I imagine you're going to keep watching wrestling for many more years. Oh, yeah. As of right now, what would you say is your favorite match of all time besides the Hogan Ultimate Ultimate Warrior match? You're talking about all time? All time. Like the one match you could go back and just watch again and again and again. Uh, well, this is going to be a curveball because I've watched so much wrestling in my entire life. I'm going to say it was Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom 11. Wrestle uh, Kingdom 11? Yeah, New, New Japan Pro Wrestling, New Japan. My favorite match of all time is Kenny Omega and Kazushika Okada. Without a doubt. That right there, they beat the brakes off each other. But it was a story of, you know, cockiness of the Bullet Club and Okada. And to me, I mean, I think Okada's gimmick in Japan is phenomenal. But, you know, that right there. But if you want me to do, like, WWE... Oh, no, no, that's it. I wanted the favorite... I I, I love the deep cuts because I honestly had never... Never watched this match so now. You get a chance to watch I, that. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Wrestle Wrestle Kingdom 11 is what it was. I think it was like 2013. Or, it might have been later than that. It was a couple of years. You know, it was a couple of years ago. But it's Omega and Okada. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. It'll make a fan out of anybody. I'm sure. I I, I believe, and that, that's all I ask. I'm, I I don't care if it's mainstream. I don't care if it's a match you watched last Tuesday in, in the middle of nowhere. The fact yeah. that it was a good match is all that matters, right? Let's plug your show one more time at the. I can't say the name. I'm gonna let you say. Oh, <laughs> Ally right. Pro Wrestling is going to be at the Harold Whitaker Middle School in Sayersville, Kentucky, on November the 19th. All right, guys. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed the interview, uh, and hopefully we can get Henry Shaw back again after his match. He he, he can tell us how he did. Oh, wow. All right, everybody have a wonderful day. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show, wherever you're listening to this show. Uh, If you're listening to the Chris Allen Show, awesome. If you're listening to the Jason E. Jones Show, even better. Um. We look forward to bringing you more contact. If you want to help us out with that, you can hit us up at www.patreon.com slash jokes and help fund the show. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us at, at cman234 at twitter. Dot, at twitter? 
Twitter, at CMEN234 at Twitter. Um, you can find uh, on Facebook, the Chris Allen Podcast. You can find uh, Jason on Facebook, um, the Jason E. Jones Podcast. Um, you can also find him on Twitter, too. Just search for the Jason E. Jones Podcast, and you'll find him. We're all there. We're all here for you. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to an email at uh, AskTheAngryNinja at gmail.com. Um, you want to be on the show? Reach out. Hit us up. We'll get you on the show. Interview. You want to come tell a joke? Tell a joke. We're all here. If you have an outrageous story, I'd love to hear it. We'll put that up, too. So just let us know. And if you have anything you want to hear, let us know. Twitter is the best way. Just to let you know. So everybody have a wonderful, wonderful day. Talk to you later. Bye. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts SAVE to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text SAVE to 203203. That's S-A-V-E to 203203.